So one of the uh, main reasons I think a lot of us get into sports writing, or originally or originally get into it, and we don't like to admit it, but eventually we have to admit it is the free food, right? See, when I got, I didn't, when I first got into or wanted to do sports journalism, I had no idea that free food was even a thing. So I don't know what you're talking about. I got into sports journalism because I didn't want to do a real job. And clearly that worked out so well for me. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm being facetious when I say I got into it for the real food. Obviously, I'd never want to do a real job. My job involves going to a rink every day. But one of the perks of the job is the uh, tends to be the free food. And uh, Yeah, uh, the first time I went to a Bowling Green volleyball game, and this was, wasn't even as journalism. This was just when I was statting the games for like half a semester, my first semester freshman year. And they're like, yeah, we get pizza for every game. I'm like, I could get used to this. It was Papa John's. It's garbage pizza, but it was still free. And you know what you say to free pizza? Yes, please, I'll have another. Exactly. So, I mean, one of the best parts about training camp for this week for me down in Cedar Park has been the ability to come down here and have little to no budget for food because came down here on Friday and we've got a nice coffee bar set up at the HEB Center or Cedar Park Center, whatever you want to call it. There's at lunchtime they brought out sandwiches, and then uh, and then even that Friday night I actually covered picked up a gig covering a high school football game and they had homemade barbecue and uh, banana pudding so that was my Friday meal choice and then Saturday was uh, more sandwiches and pastries at the uh, around practice and then Sunday was a uh, today was basically they had chicken and waffles for the media meal before the uh, scrimmage tonight it was delicious today sorry. And that's, I'm drawing blanks on times, but yes. So the uh, t- moral of the story is while hockey players are putting themselves through hell and Ken Hitchcock is running one of the hardest training camps ever, I'm getting fatter this weekend. Yeah, that um, I didn't know that high school football in Texas gives free food because every high school football game I've ever been to has never given free food. So you clearly have it made right now. Clearly, it's... Uh... I got it. If you if you ever wanted to go into this industry, the free food is a is a nice perk. Um, and I'm realizing I'm just bragging right now about how I got to eat chicken and uh, chicken and waffles while watching a scrimmage today. You know, chicken and waffles is kind of overrated. Not that I've ever really had good chicken and waffles, but the only time I've ever had chicken and waffles, as I was eating, I'm like, oh, you know, this is kind of good. Well, it was a chicken. Okay, let me back up. It was a chicken and waffle sandwich. So it was two waffles and a piece of chicken, and neither were particularly of high quality but at the time it tasted great and when i got about halfway through it i'm like huh i kind of feel like garbage and then i finished it and huh i feel like i want to die right now so that is my opinion on chicken and waffles you've never had good chicken and waffles oh good i have chicken not. And waffles. My, the only chicken and waffles i ever had was at a basically a food truck in athens ohio so clearly i i'm not exactly this is like saying, man, I've never had a good steak before, when literally the only steak you've ever had is like Salisbury steak at the high school cafeteria. You haven't had steak then. So no, I've never, I, I barely had chicken and waffles. I've experienced the flavor, but I've never had chicken and waffles. Well, good chicken and waffles is worth writing home about and worth building a podcast called Open About. And with that, let's actually talk about hockey. side of the red line dallas stars podcast here is your host sean shapiro chicken waffles and food and everything like that we actually have uh, stars hockey to talk about and not just speculation and off-season moves we actually have real tangible things that we saw at training camp this week this weekend down in cedar park that actually play out and uh I guess kind of the big thing, um, just to, we have to start with, is you look at Ken Hitchcock talked about how on day three of training camp he was going to 
do something he's never done before, where he was going to he was going to send a message to the group, and there was going to be uh, there was going to be a clear divide, and he did that. He had a veterans, quote unquote, and I don't like the word veterans. I think I, I just want to use the word as expected NHL players, even though the team uses the word veterans, and then a future prospect scrimmage, which is probably just a better use as guys who are AHL or lower. And it was a uh, and he showed that there's an there's an early split there, and it was kind of the guys we expected, but I. I don't mind the approach of giving of setting that uh, kind of that bar of a formal bar early. What do you think of that kind of Ryan? What do you think of that Ryan? Just setting a bar early and splitting a group early like that. I like it because it um it, it puts you in a situation where it kind of lets you know where you stand early. And I mean, you could make the argument that it's based on preconceived notions that may or may not be accurate, which is fair, but. The bottom line is it's not always fair how things are approached in professional sports. So I think I like it in the sense that it kind of lets guys know where they stand early and um, guys who are kind of in that that top, like kind of above that bar, it lets them know that, hey, you know, I, I need to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm doing the right things. So I just need to keep on doing what I'm doing. And for the guys who are below that bar, it lets them know that, hey, I need to I need to take it up a gear here or I'm going to be on the outside looking in, which is good. And, and it can be bad if, you know, if it, dep- it just depends on the mentality of the individual you're talking about. If you're a guy who ends up above that bar and you think, oh, yeah, I'm good. I can just, I can kind of dog it now for these next three weeks. Then, I, I mean, it would be good for Ken Hitchcock because then he can use that guy as, he can crucify that guy and use him as an example. Like, don't even think about getting comfortable or your ass is going to be out of here. So I think it, it kind of sets up it kind of sets him up nicely where if that does happen, he kind of has a play there too. So I think he's, if we're talking this being Ken Hitchcock's first hand that he could theoretically play with the stars, I think he played it very well. I like what it did. I, uh, I think the, my favorite part of what it does is it creates, um, we are the 12 guys who are on that tra- on the veterans quote unquote roster there are kind of the 12 guys I expected to make the NHL roster. And then you add Martin Hansel who is injured and not playing right now. That makes 13. Um, I like the message it says to sense to some of the young guys, um, cause they had a scrimmage today and this scrimmage was set up where they had to show and they had to prove that they want to be considered to be that 14th forward. If the stars are going to carry a 14th forward or, they might not make the NHL team out of training camp, but they need to impress Hitch. They need to impress Hitch right now, where when that first call up happens, because injuries happen. We know that. So we learned from that firsthand how bad injuries can be, and I don't expect it to be that bad. But injuries are going to happen. We know that's going to happen. It's hockey, um, where they have to prove that. And I think it show it 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 sends a message to, to a lot of the younger kids and guys that this is you've got to prove something to me. And I like what it did. Um, like for example, in the scrimmage today. Justin Dowling is a guy who, if, if I was to go and tell you to, Justin Dowling is probably not a name the average Stars that the average Stars fan would know. If, if, if I was to tell the point out to the average Stars fan, hey, um, which of the young guys, uh, AHL guys from last season are going to be the guy to make the NHL roster, that list, you probably, before you, someone mentions Justin Dowling, you're probably getting Jason Dickinson, Jamel Smith, uh, Dennis Garyanov, maybe even someone might even mention Rope Hints. Even um, Dowling's not a guy who I think is in the general populist knowledge. F- a fair statement. I mean, yeah, if you're just talking about the casual, doesn't you know pays attention to fifteen twenty games a year or when they're really good, then no, I don't think I don't even know that. I don't even know that there's any of those guys that would kind of register with. I, I get. I guess. I see it's just I'm, I'm overthinking the the gist of this question right now so to, for the sake of answering the question as presented no no casual stars fan would think of Justin Dowling unless you were like hardcore watching this team closely for the last three four five years mm-hmm. and, and so to my point to that case though is the same thing as Ken Hitchcock has not been part of this organization and uh so for all of those guys who are on the bubble, there's a there's a blank slate in a way. And he Dowling today in the scrimmage had two goals, had scored in the shootout, was looked pretty good, was one of the best players on the ice. And I kind of expected that from him as someone who's watched him play in the AHL before and things like that. But that starts to plant a seed where 
say that first injury comes around and the stars are looking at, well, who are we going to call up? And all of a sudden, Hitchcock and Nil are thinking about it, and Hitchcock says, well, I remember when we put the gauntlet down and we asked them to step up and prove who was and prove they were they were ready to fight for a job. Justin Dowling did that, and player X or Y didn't do that. And that's something to keep in mind to going forward because it, it's it's from today's scrimmage there was a couple guys who stood out just forward wise uh, Dowling um, Dowling and Jamel Smith were both mentioned by Hitchcock so was Nicholas Kamano and we'll talk about Kamano a little bit because Kamano is kind of an odd case since he's not going to make the NHL roster and he's not going to be in the AHL because of his age um, but. Dowling and Smith kind of jumped onto Hitch's radar. Um, I thought Rope Hints looked good, even though he wasn't mentioned by Hitch. But you didn't see, you didn't hear Hitch afterwards talking about Jason Dickinson or Dennis Garyanov or Remy Ellie or any of those guys as guys who impressed him. And so it's something where there might be a bit of a rude awakening for those guys when you move into practice this week or preseason games or if there is a spot available that. I guess what I'm saying, it'll be a rude awakening for those guys who you thought maybe off draft class and based on position or whatever whatever preconceived notion where that spot could go to somebody else. And when you look back at it, this scrimmage and just kind of this ideology, it could have been kind of the groundwork that was the undoing for one of those guys. Uh, yeah, you're you're definitely right about that. And we're looking at it, you, you mentioned draft pedigree. We're kind of in a situation now where you're talking about a coaching staff that doesn't really have any sort of connection to, and I, I get it's a, a little different than when you're talking about like a GM staff or a front office staff, when you're looking at guys like this, we're talking about a coaching staff who doesn't have any sort of kind of need or existential desire to play guys based on their draft class. They're kind of just going to come in there looking to play the best guy, which I, it, it should be in, regardless of the case but it doesn't you you know you kind of always get that thing where that that former top 10 pick always gets that one extra chance because you know he had skill at one point you know maybe it's in there maybe it just needs the right situation but i feel like dowling's kind of like a hitchcock guy like he he just seems like the type of player that a guy like hitchcock loves to play and he seems like he would be a perfect fit for this type of system so, I mean, and I, he's not a guy, kind of in that same vein, he's not a guy that, which, I mean, I guess would take us to R.J. Umberger down the line, but he doesn't seem like a guy that Hitchcock would play just to play just because he likes him, but certainly if he's coming out and showing his stuff early, it's going to give Hitchcock a reason to put him in the lineup, and I'm sure he's going to, both of them will love that. The other thing too to think about too, and we talk about we talk about prospects, and you want kids to play. The other thing with Justin Dowling is, isn't Justin Dowling perfect fourteenth slash thirteenth forward material? Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, he's a guy who you could have play. He's not a prospect, so you don't. He's not not, not a prospect, so you don't need to worry about him playing every day. He's not twenty two, twenty three. You don't need to worry about his development. But he could be a guy. He could be a perfect. 13, 14, nice insurance policy, can play wing or center, and say Matthias Janmark's knee doesn't hold up, or say someone else does get hurt, or Martin Hansel, Martin Hansel gets hurt sometimes. Just He could be a nice... He's got a really nice chance just with for that type of role that is open. He could fit perfectly there, frankly. It's kind of how we've talked about in the past, how Greg Pattern's the perfect 7. Justin Dowling could be the perfect 13-14. Right, and you know, obviously... As a professional athlete, you're you're hardwired to want to play as often as you possibly can. But you're looking at a guy as well who I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but has been on a two way contract pretty much his entire career. So well, he and he's a guy who started his three year uh, three and a half or four years ago. I have to double check this. He was on an ECHL contract and earned his NHL contract. So if you I mean you're talking about you're talking about money and you're talking about how much money someone can make too. And this is a business. This yeah. is a big opportunity for a guy, especially he got he got married this summer too, for example, and I know those are expensive. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So your the the overreaching point there is that just to make it clear, because I feel like it wasn't kind of clear when I, I just kind of laid it out. The difference between even unless you're a guy like Chris Mueller or another four A type play, player, 
you're not making six figs in the AHL. And Justin, I mean, Justin Dowling at this point in his career might be a guy who would crack six figs in the AHL, but the difference between making $120,000 a year and making a league minimum NHL salary is fivefold still. So you're all, you're looking at a guy who, not to say that he wouldn't want to play every day in the NHL, cause I'm sure he would, but merely by being in the NHL is, is a huge boost to a, a guy like that. It's not like you have a prospect who is kind of on the cusp, who's going to be up there one day anyway. And they're kind of just like, well, I don't really, I want to play, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like it yeah. just, he's not going to be a guy who, if he's that extra forward, who's going to make a big stink about it. It seems like, because the fact in the way I'm phrasing it, it sounds like it's kind of like he'd be a guy who's just, Oh, I'm just happy to be here. Cause I, I that's not going to be the case. He's going to be a guy who's going to come up there and compete his ass off to try to be in the lineup every night. But the overreaching point here is you're not going to have to worry about him sulking if he's that extra forward because he seems like the kind of guy who's going to know his role on the team and is going to be accepting of that role and he's a guy who's worked for everything in his career too he was a guy who if he had a great comment today i asked him about it he was undrafted in the whl he earned his whl opportunity he was undrafted in the nhl he went to the echl he went he earned an ahl contract turned that into an nhl contract and he's a guy who he's had to work for everything so if you put him in a position where even if he only plays 20 games, just as the 13th, 14th forward on this roster, he's going to work his ass off every day. He's going to be ready to go, and he is going to, when he steps into the lineup, you're not going to get a guy who's been sulking or been been just sitting around cashing a paycheck. He's a guy who's going to be working hard in practice every day, and that fits perfectly in what Ken Hitchcock wants. Yeah, and, you know, he's going to be 27 by the time the season starts, so he's not he's not old by any stretch of the imagination. He's still got plenty of gas in the tank. He's, but he's at the same time, he's a guy who's been around who kind of knows the ropes. He's been in the stars organization now for like four or five years. And he's a guy who's had offensive success at the AHL level. So it's, it's not one of those guys. He's not like one of those, I guess you can make the argument that he is kind of like one of those replacement guys that you just throw into the bottom third of your lineup and hope for the best. But he's also a guy who, who has, who's not just basically a replacement level guy that you throw out there and hope doesn't get killed. He's a guy who has, who brings stuff to the table that would be beneficial to a hockey team competing that has playoff aspirations. Which brings me, brings me to my point. And one thing I've been thinking about, and we talked about RJ Umberger and things like that, where with, with Umberger coming in and maybe if Umberger came in, he'd be in that ideal spot where, Justin Dowling is basically R.J. Umberger, but in better shape and a better shape and a better scorer and eight years younger. Like it's just just to just to connect us to R.J. Umberger, who is a guy who was in training camp and he hasn't looked. He didn't look bad in the first two days of training camp, but in the scrimmage he didn't really impress me. And I know that Hitchcock wants to give Umberger every chance because Hitchcock is a very loyal coach. He gives his guys chances. He's that's why the only reason Umberger's here. But um, it's it, at one point, it eventually gets to the point where the GM has to decide, is it worth having coach's loyalty to this guy and bringing him in? When I, or do I just look at it and, hey, look, I have guys who can do the exact same thing who are younger, maybe eight years younger in Dowling, or maybe even 12 years younger, I think, in, in Ellie, um, who can do the exact same thing. And, and it's just, it would be a great story if he came back, but it's, and, and Ken Hitchcock himself said, we're going to do the thing that's best for our team. And it's starting, and it's only three days. We still have preseason games that can prove me wrong, and he could do other things. But R.J. Umberger, for me, has not done the things to say, well, having him part of the team makes us a better team at this point. Right, and that the one important thing with this is to not, but based on how everyone looked in one scrimmage, to not overreact because it wasn't even a preseason game. It was just a scrimmage. But going back to the loyalty thing, that also kind of cuts both ways, too, in the sense that if you're looking at, if you're comparing for, let's say, this hypothetical exercise, Justin Dowling versus RJ Umberger, if you're sitting there and, and they're by all intense equal players, I think it also says something to the fact of going with the guy who's been in your system for a minute and kind of showing them that, hey, if you're going to come in here and you're going to work and you're gonna you're gonna we're gonna see tangible improvement for you we're going to reward you with that as opposed to saying 
you know, you've busted your ass all summer. You came in here and fought hard all training camp, but we're going to go with this guy who's been in our system, who's didn't even play hockey last year and who was in our system for training camp basically because the coach likes him. You know what I mean? That what kind of message does that send to the rest of the team that, Oh man, I put in all my work, but we're going to go with, we're going to go with coach's pet over me. So it, it kind of cuts both ways on that front too. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it is, it is interesting because we are just to lay it out real quick as we are looking at just in the scrimmage, if they're going to carry, they might, there might be five guys for zero spots right now, because for all we know, they could decide to go 13 forwards and seven defensemen, but I think they're going to go 14 and seven, just the nature of both Yanmark's health and, you got a couple other guys like we've talked about Tyler Pitlick's health before. We don't know <laughs> with with a guy like Tyler Pitlick, you need to have an insurance policy there, and Hansel sometimes has injuries. So I think they're going to go fourteen. Um, so if you're looking at fourteen, you're looking at a group of this. You've got Justin Dowling, Jamel Smith, R.J. Umberger, Remy Yelly, Jason Dickinson, Dennis Garyanov, and even Rope Hints. You've got seven guys for one spot right now. Right, and so and- the, it's kind of like just it's already kind of mucked up because I feel like every preseason podcast we kind of talked, we didn't even have Justin Dowling really in the conversation. He just seemed like that guy who was who we just assumed was going to be AHL bound. And now here we are thinking that he's a guy that could potentially be on the fourth line, not just the 13th or 14th guy. Mm-hmm. Very much so. And it, it's 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 interesting. I mean, let's let's just to go through that list of how guys looked at camp today. I mean talked about Dallin he looked good Jamel Smith I think he had a nice showing today we talked about Umberger who just he had a couple hits wasn't really the impact you'd like to see from a guy who you want to come off um Rope Hintz I think Rope Hintz will play in the NHL this year I just don't think it's going to be out of training camp I think it's it's too early for that he's still got some adjustments to make to the North American game and he uh but he, he scored a really pretty goal in the scrimmage today he's and, and also, you want him playing every day, right? You want Rope Hintz playing every day, no matter where he is. So oh, I think yeah. he may. Oh, yeah. So I think he may be in the NHL at some point this season, but he's not uh, coming out of training camp. Um, Jason Dickinson and Dennis Garyanov were on a line today, and they actually left me quite a bit to be desired. There was one of those things where um, they didn't really impress me much today, just in, in in the scrimmage. And it's one of those things where. We talked about, I've talked about Gariana before and written about him before. I'm not sure if he's a slow starter or if he plays to a level of competition, but either way, it's something where both of those guys, they had the same opportunity today that other guys on the ice did and they didn't step up. And just something to keep in mind, just to, and they could, they could, they could go and they could light it up during preseason and they could change our minds at all. But just based off this, this early scrimmage, it's one of those things where they didn't help themselves today. Um, one guy who did help himself today and I just want to I want to talk about him because he won't be on the NHL roster this year, and he won't be on the NHL roster for three, four years at least. But Nick Camano had a really nice showing today, and he's a fifth round pick. Um, he's only nineteen; he turned nineteen earlier this month, and he is. Uh, and you know what? This is a perfect example for for me to point out why the CHL NHL agreement, in my opinion, is flawed because Nick Camano is too good to be playing in the OHL but he's not good enough to be playing in the NHL. So he should be able to play with Texas here, but he can't. I didn't know if you were looking for a comment there because I totally agree with... I didn't know if there's anything that needed to be added to that because I totally agree with it. It's just... It's one of those I get why they do it because you're trying to protect the sanctity of the OHL or whatever that... However they phrase it, which is basically just keeping good players in the OHL longer so the league doesn't, there's no talent drain in the league or blah, 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 or whatever it is. But it's stupid because it, there needs to be, it, I don't know how you would go about doing it, but you know how you can, if you're, you can get exceptional status in the OHL if you're, cause you normally can't start there till you're 16, but if you're really good, then they can grant you exceptional status so you can play as a 15 year old. And there needs to be something like that with the, between the, Canadian Major Junior League and the NHL in regards to the AHL too. Because you look at like Dylan Strom last year, he should not have been playing in the OHL. He should have been playing in the AHL. And it's, it's, you can't make the argument that, oh, he's 19. He's not ready for the, the adult game of the AHL because that's bunk because guys who get drafted out of Europe come over and play in the AHL as 18 and 19 year olds. We saw it with Julius Honka. We saw it with Dennis Guriano. We saw it with Alex Nylander with Buffalo. It's, it's just simply a incorrect argument to make. And the only reason that 
Canadian junior kids can't do it is because of a, just a bullshit agreement that the OHL, I don't know, I don't know the history behind, but it was basically to keep talent in the OHL longer so the level of play wouldn't suffer. So, yeah, and it's the, it's, the, it's the entire CHL. The WHL and the Q are involved in that as well. It's the entire Canadian Hockey League. But yeah, it's like Nick Kamano is a kid who you watched him play today, you watched him play against AHL players and what he's doing, and he's going to have a really nice year in Flint. He's going to put up a lot of points. Hopefully he gets traded to a contender because Flint is not a very good team. Hopefully he gets traded to a contender to play maybe deep and win a Memorial Cup and things like that. But from a prospect development standpoint and helping the player to making the player the best possible, would it make more sense for him to play in the AHL? And I know you agree with me. I'm just putting this out as the hypothetical just to just laying it out there. Wouldn't it make for this kid to, to come up to the AHL, to to step up a level of competition, that would be the best thing for his development just as a hockey player, not for a Dallas Stars prospect, for any hockey player. If, if you have a 19-year-old kid in, who plays for the Anaheim Ducks, for example, in the Ducks system, he should be able to play in the AHL at 19 if that's the best development path for him. It's just, I think it's, it's... It's a bit of a, it's an antiquated system because it's 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 kind of it's it's to stop people from getting their feelings hurt. Frankly, I think you want to keep the the CHL and you want to you want to you want to keep them happy and things like that. But wouldn't it doesn't it make the entire sport better when you can let the kid get the best overall development path? I know you agree with me, but I'm just venting right now. No, I mean it, and you could definitely make the I mean you can make the argument that the whole developmental system in North America is jacked up just with the way that. You have 13-year-old kids committing to play college hockey now because coaches are trying to get their paws in on these kids early because the second that they step foot on the ice for a Canadian major junior team, they're ineligible for NCAA hockey. Just the battles that go on between major junior and college hockey, it's, it's a system that's in place to serve the best interests of everyone except for the players themselves. And that's not, that's ultimately not the reason why these places exist because they die like they don't unless you're a school like boston college or boston university or north dakota or minnesota unless you're one of like 10 to 12 schools granted there's only like 60 61 division one schools playing college hockey now unless you're one of the top 10 to 12 programs you're not making that much money off of hockey so it's just it's not and the same thing with major junior unless you're one of like seven to 12 teams that are perennially really good. I feel like major junior teams don't make that much money either. I, and I mean, I could be completely off base here. I don't, I've never looked into this before. So I, I don't know what to tell you about it, but it just seems like this whole system is structured to benefit everybody except the players. And why, what's the point of these leagues to develop better players for the NHL. So you'd think that we would want a system that, I, see, I could rant on this shit forever because I, there's nothing. There needs to be a system where, because you know, when, once you turn 20, you can you can play in the OHL as a 20, 21 year old, whatever, in your overage year. But there needs to be a system where you can play, and it would be catastrophic to the American junior hockey leagues, the USHL and the NAHL, because then they'd almost become obsolete. But there needs to be a system where guys can play major junior from like 15 to 19 and then after their 19 year old season they're not eligible to play major junior anymore and then they can either go pro and play in the ahl in some guy's case or they can pursue playing college hockey and if you want to play college hockey as an 18 year old kid out of the national team development program if you're an american fine so be it but there needs to be there there it just makes too much sense for these sides to kind of come together and make a larger development chain that makes sense for the kids because you're it's one of those things the see i'm we're way off base now but like less than two percent of kids who play college hockey and major junior hockey combined ever play an nhl game it, expect and if you're a major junior kid and you you can't play college hockey then when you're done why is that not a thing why is why i don't know why anyone hasn't sat there and thought that hey maybe we should give these kids a chance to further their hockey career at and play meaningful hockey minutes and not just play at a crap ass Canadian college where you're, it's basically club hockey and no one's going to hear from you again once you go there and give them a chance to continue their education too. So, you know, maybe if they're a late bloomer, then they get, they ha- they sign as an undrafted free agent with a team at 24 and maybe they turn into something. And worst case scenario, they have a college education and a degree now. 
and they're more likely to become a contributing member of society. This is a rant that we just went from Nick Kamano should, there needs to be something to allow guys who are good enough at 19 to play in the AHL to this whole system's broken. And I mean, it really is, but I, that was a five minute rant that we didn't need. And I apologize for that. No, but it's a fair rant. I mean, it, it is, it is, there is, there needs to be something in place where everything is, there's not a system there. We talk about it, it's player development, player development, player development, yada, 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 yada. Well, there's only, it's the same thing where, and we could go down a wormhole that I'm not going to go down, so I'm going to tap the brakes. But we talk about fighting in hockey and everything like that, yada, yada. What other elements of society, for example, can a 16-year-old fight a 21-year-old? Just, 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 just for example, like, like, you, like, I mean, it's something where you have a there's, and this is another wormhole. I'm going to stop us from going down too far, but you have a system, and the the CHL, to their credit, has done a good job of limiting it, but. We're talking about development and stuff like that. Well, you have these 16-year-old kids who come in and stuff like that, and they make the OH their OHL or their QMH or their Q their team in the Q or the WHL, and they want to make an impact right away. Well, what do they have to do? They have to either score points, which it's hard to do when you're playing against kids two, three years older than you, or you have to you have to do something to impress your coach, something along those lines. And it's a bit still a bit antiquated, but sometimes you have to you end up fighting a guy, and you end up fighting the guy who's 21, five years older than you. It's just it's not the this I'm going to stop us and get us back to the stars but just it's not it's a there are certain there 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 are other things that we could discuss for hours on this but <laughs> yeah and I want to say it was um I think it was Pat LaFontaine who for who I it, it was a year or two ago that I kind of heard this in passing where I, I think Jeff Merrick might have been talking about it where it was basically that whole the whole go from one level of junior to major junior then to college hockey kind of thing and it's just it just makes too much sense but it's never going to happen because there's too many egos involved and everyone thinks their way is the best and that's all they care about is that their way is the best they don't really give a shit that oh you know if we kind of combine forces right here we're doing what's best for the players and oh god forbid that we do what's best for the players that's just for it's just what's best for the guys who make the rules and make the money Okay. To get us back, to get us back on track, a guy who there was a loop. They found the loophole in in this whole system. Basically, it was Julius Honka. Uh, Julius Honka played in the AHL as an 18 year old, even though he played in the WHL for the Swift Current Broncos. He was technically a European player when he was drafted and was able to play in the AHL right away. Now, roughly 200 AHL games later, 20 games, 20 NHL games last season, we're looking at we're now at the cusp of the full time Julius Honka era in Dallas. And frankly, it's exciting. It's 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 really exciting because we've talked about what this kid can do offensively, and it's he was already this morning. This morning he was already working on the second power play unit with with. They actually had him. They actually had Tonka work in both the veterans NHL group this morning at 9 a.m. and then had him also participate in the scrimmage and. Uh, so he goes from in the morning, Julius Honka's day consists of in the morning he's running the second power play unit, um, and then he's put in the scrimmage, and basically he was put in the scrimmage because they needed to have an extra fo- an extra defenseman in the scrimmage, and if you put Jamie Jamie Alexiak, Patrick Nemeth, or Greg Patterin, you got to put all three in, because you don't want to you don't want to send one into that scrimmage just because it creates a bit, you can send Honka there because he's on a two-way contract and the kid loves to play hockey. Um... <laughs> And then basically Honka plays in that scrimmage and had to leave about halfway through the second period because there's an NHL rule that during training camp a player can't spend more than three hours on the ice. So Honka actually hit three hours on the ice and they had to pull him off. Yeah, so that I kind of got a laugh out of that. That's wild. Yeah. So I didn't know that was a rule. That's kind of that seems like a kind of strange rule, but I guess now that you see it come into play, it's not as strange. Yeah, it's one of those rules where you probably never know about it until you see it to uh, so you see it applied to something. So. Personally, I'm and I've watched Honka closely in the age. I'm excited to see him step into the NHL this year and what he can do. And I mean, I think there. I think I'm not the only one in that in that realm. Yeah. Every time I see Julius Honka news come up on Twitter, I have to force myself to pump the brakes and remind myself that Julius Honka is still a rookie this year, and to not get too carried away with expectations because. 
if this keeps up by the time opening night hits, I'm going to be sitting there thinking, this guy's getting 55 points this year and is going to run away with rookie of the year. And that's completely unfair to ask because it's really hard to be a 21, 22 year old, however old he's going to be on opening night defenseman in the NHL who only has 20 games of NHL experience. So I think that it's going to be really hard to do, but I think that is, it's important to remember that he's still a rookie and he's going to have peaks and valleys this year. Like every rookie does, unless you're Austin Matthews or Connor McDuane, even Austin Matthews had went like 18 games or something this last year without scoring a goal. And everyone's like, Oh my God, the sky's falling. Austin Matthews hasn't scored in a month and a half and he still ended up with 40. So, I mean, that's the important thing to remember is just to be patient because he's going to do some dumb things this year. And you're going to be sitting there thinking, why is this guy in the lineup? And then five minutes later, he's going to do something that you've never seen done with a hockey puck before. And you remember, oh, yeah, that's why he's in the lineup. So it's I am beyond excited to see him playing full time in the NHL because just the taste we got last year was just remarkable. And so obviously it's 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 exciting and it's interesting. The other thing that just becomes what it's going to be and if if and based on and Hitch's words and his actions he agrees with us and Honka's in his top 6 we've and 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 there's going to be there is going to be cutting on defense. You're going to have to we are finally reaching the thresh the threshold where there will actually be final decisions made on this defense and it's starting to get really interesting because I think when we all were looking at this originally, especially after Stephen Johns was protected in the expansion draft, um, we were all looking. Well, Stephen Stephen Johns got protected in the expansion draft. That means he's in. That means like that means Stephen Johns is in. He's he's part of the group. I think that's that's kind of an opinion that was formed, and I don't know if it's a completely false opinion, but it's 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 it's, it's a fair opinion. Um, but we're looking at a group now where if, if Hanka's in our top five, and I and I think he is, especially after if you're putting him on the power play that early and Hitch is a big guy and talking about chemistry and stuff like that, you don't just put a kid on there if you don't think he's going to be part of your roster. Um, you're looking at a group of four, actually, where it's it's starting to get really interesting between Patteron, Nemeth, Alexiak, and Johns, where one person may one person's going to get playing time, one person's going to be the extra, and the other two are going to be moved somehow. And... Um, Stephen Johns, I know Jim Nill obviously believes Stephen Johns is a great asset, and that's why he's protecting the expansion draft. But Stephen Johns still has to prove to Ken Hitchcock that he is in that lineup. Ultimately, I think he wins that job. Just that's what my gut says. But say Jamie Lexer or Patrick Nemeth have a great preseason. Say Greg Pattern has a great preseason. Stephen Johns doesn't have a lock on this team, and that's something that I don't think. I think it's something that be kind of eight, if I told you that eighteen months ago, it'd be kind of hard to believe. See, that's a really interesting point that I just kind of started thinking about with you mentioning that. Something that we have not talked about at all this summer that maybe we should have talked about is, what if Stephen Johns is the guy that's on the outside looking in? Because I, I think we all assumed that with the protection and the expansion draft that, you know, he's, he's locked in the top six, he's fine. I distinct, I feel like I remember George McPhee or someone associated with Vegas saying that if Steven Johns was not protected, that was the guy that they were taking. Uh, I could, Bill, uh, Bill Foley actually said we either going to take Cody Eakin or, or Steven Johns. Now, his quote yeah. obviously has a couple holes in it because they theoretically could have protected both of them. But yes, Bill Foley basically said Steven Johns' name was the guy they were going to take. Right. So maybe we're in a situation there that Jim Nell knew that that was the case and he felt like I would rather protect the guy who's not making as much money and who could theoretically be a bigger contributor on my team next year at a thinner position. But what if we're in a situation, what if it's something we haven't considered? What if Stephen Johns just plays like garbage this preseason and Jamie Alexiak and Patrick Nemeth both play fantastic? I feel like you could get a lot more right now. Like if we were to line up Stephen Johns Patrick Nemeth, Jamie Alexiak, and Greg Patteron in a line and said, what are you going to give me for them? I feel like Steven Johns would commit, command the biggest return right now. And even if he plays like garbage this preseason, that's not going to be enough to completely torpedo his trade value whatsoever. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's... And I'm not saying that this is going to happen. I, I'm saying that this is a remarkably interesting point that nobody, at least 
nobody that I've seen has talked about that maybe we should have kind of given some consideration to because I feel like depending on what happens, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I don't think I, maybe it is, but I, it's just kind of, I don't know that you'd ever get a straight answer from Jim Nill on why they truly, like, if you asked, I mean, I'm sure it was, I I know it was asked at the time, why did you protect Steven Johns over so-and-so? And he said, we feel like he's a part of our future, but what if the true answer there is we protected him because we knew if we didn't protect him, he was the guy that was going to get taken and we didn't, we would have rather them drafted Cody Eakin and taken that $4 million off our team. So I, you know, it's, I'm just saying it's, it's fun to think about. And, and it's, and it's not, well, I think, well, I think it's the, I think the idea is to say is it's, is it unlikely that Steven Johns is on the outs? Yes. Is it inconceivable? No. That's that's I think that's the way to look at it. Where he could be the one. He could be the one where you know what, Jamie Alexiak, and this is a this is not a good comparison. This is not a fair comparison because you'll think it's lazy because it's based on their height. But say Jamie Alexiak, say say Rick Wilson can turn Jamie Alexiak into Colton Pareko. Just hypothetically, say he can turn him into Colton Pareko. Over, now I'm not sure he can actually do that, but say he can. Well, all of a sudden, yeah, I would definitely take Colton Pareko or Colton Pareko light in the lineup, and say he does that. Well, that makes Stephen Johns expendable. So it's it's not, it's not, uh, it's unlikely, but it's not inconceivable that you could see Stephen Johns as the person who could be moved. I mean, and he'd he'd also get the highest value of anyone too, as you as you said before. Um, it's, it's, it's really, I mean, and also Greg Patterns look good in training camp. That's the other odd thing too. Greg Patterns look good in training camp and not that Greg, pa- not that Greg Patteron has looked good enough to be like, oh, well, I got to take so-and-so out of the lineup or he's been better than so but he's looked good. He's looked good. Like, it's not like it's, it, he hasn't made it easy to be like, oh, he's the easy write-off. Right. And, um, what would smarter asset management being if we're sitting here, if we get to the point where through three quarters of the preseason, Stephen Johns and Jamie Alexiak are on, this is a completely hypothetical, I should preface this by saying this is a completely hypothetical situation, that if we're hypothetically saying three quarters of the way through the preseason that Stephen Johns and Jamie Alexiak are on equal footing, what smarter asset management? If you know you're going to get pretty much the same thing out of either guy trading the lefty for 25 cents on the dollar because he hasn't done jack in the NHL the last his entire career or do you trade the righty who you protected in the expansion draft for 75 cents on the dollar who still has some value so i mean even or even stephen johns you can probably get a dollar on the dollar frankly yeah like so what's smarter asset management at that point it's getting the larger return and keeping pretty close to equal value so i mean there's a lot that can happen but i mean just the way stephen johns played last year I think, I mean, we definitely all kind of assumed he'd be a part of this team just based on being protected in the expansion draft, which may or may not have been a smart assumption. So, I mean, I, I guess we'll see. I'm, <laughs> I never thought about it until literally five minutes ago. So I'm kind of interested to see how this plays out now. And he is a, uh, I mean, you look at it and it's got, If you were to, I, I don't like to nitpick at players, but say if you were to nitpick the things at Stephen John's game, what are the what are the flaws in Stephen John's game? If I was to ask you to point out the flaws, in his he game. struggles with his confidence a lot, and that probably has something to do with him getting stapled to the press box wall after committing a delay of game penalty. He also has he also there's also questions too about there's times where just his decision making. And I don't know if it's experience or hockey IQ. It's because it could be one or the other. I'm not sure. There's those two. That that's the other thing I look at it too. Where I don't know his hockey IQ right now is not high enough. Now I don't know if it's a hockey IQ that can grow with experience or if it's a hockey IQ that's capped out. We know he's a smart kid. I mean, he got a freaking degree from Notre Dame, so we know he's smart. But the but I don't know if his hockey IQ, I don't know what the ceiling on his hockey IQ is. That's the other question, too, with Stephen Johns. Um, because overall, the physical tools are completely there. He skates well, he moves the puck well, he can shoot. 
Um, I mean, you could argue that he probably has... I'd argue he has the best physical tools of anyone on the defense, and that includes Jamie Alexiak because I think he's a better he's a better shot, and he's got and he and he moves a little bit better than Jamie Alexiak. But and he's also right-handed, which makes him a bit of a rarity on amongst defensemen. Right, and at this point in his, just based on the information that we have available to us right now, he definitely has more of an offensive upside than Alexiak does. Not, and that's not to say that this would ring true throughout the remainder of their NHL careers, but just based on the information we have available, Johns is a little bit more of a complete package than Alexiak, who at this point is just a big dude. Because I, you can't even really say he's a big, nasty, physical guy because he's really, he's way too, mer, he's way too, mercurial's not the right word. He's way too passive, I guess, for six, seven, two 255-pound guy. Completely. It's completely. That's, you hit, passive is the perfect word for that. He's way too passive. Um, I mean, right now, it's it's going to be interesting. It's, it's really something interesting to watch over the next couple of weeks because I never thought a year ago or, or 18 months ago we'd be talking about Stephen Johns being somebody who might be expendable just especially after i mean especially after you go all the way back to when they first acquired him um and he was part of the patrick sharp trade and everyone jim nill and everyone was talking about this like hey we were only we weren't making this deal unless we got steven john so to think that we might be at a spot where he could be the expendable one is just 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 kind of crazy to think um it also shows you i mean it also shows you how impressive honka is too because honka is a guy who it shows you where, and we expected Honka to be here because of his first-round pick status, but it, it it does speak volumes to what Honka is able to do, and when Honka's ready, what he can be in this lineup long for a long, long time. Right, and the presence of Honka kind of almost sort of negates the right-handed advantage that Johns brings because, and obviously, I get under perfect conditions, you'd like to have three and three of each. But you already have two righties who you can pretty much guarantee are going to be in this lineup as long as they're healthy, save for maybe a message-sending scratch if they're playing like garbage. But assuming Klingberg and Johns are healthy, I'm Klingberg and Honka, not Johns, um, you can assume that both these guys are going to play between 78 and 80 games. So with that third pairing, I feel like the right-left pair kind of becomes less so a requirement and more so just a luxury if can be afforded but you're at that point you're going to put your two best guys in the lineup regardless of what hand they are well and theoretically if you're talking about you can't just say well in the past he used to be Stephen john sorry almost lost my train of thought but in the past Stephen johns was the um only right-handed guy so he had the edge of being well we want to go three and three we can do that you got to remember, Greg Patterson's also right-handed. So theoretically, you could you can't just say, "Oh, well, he's right-handed, so he's in." So if Greg Patterson continues to look good, and Greg Patterson's cheap too, Greg Patterson is not is a is a cheap, simple, consistent player, a perfect third line, third pairing guy, perfect seventh pair, seventh guy, and, and there's not he, the advantages Johns had are starting to slowly slowly disappear from what they used to be, like on a pro cons list over, over everyone else. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, this will definitely be another storyline to keep an eye on throughout training camp. Just another one. It's not that we didn't have plenty to look at already. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing just to, we did kind of see today, which was kind of fun to see, was some of the lines that are that might shake out. We saw the Ben Sagan Radulov line together um, in the, that veterans practice. And now remember, you remember Hansel wasn't in the group, so it's, it's you got to keep take everything with a grain of salt. But Ben Zag and Radulov together, and it's a practice, but they still look good. It can be a really fun group to see. I thought it was kind of funny. I tweeted out the uh, when I tweeted out the lines today to see all the quote tweets and the reactions from people around the league with what do you call the eyeball emoji, where the one where like people are like. You got a lot of those, and a lot of people who were just talking about how scary that line would be. So that that's just kind of. I so think. That, I think that's what it's called, the eyeball emoji. Okay, the eyeball emoji. But you, you saw the, the, the rest of the league's eyebrows are raised, obviously, for what uh, that group can do. And then the kind of the other lines today, you saw um, Jason Spezza was uh, centering. 
who was he centering today? The he was centering Yanmark and Richie, and he and, and he and Yanmark have already getting some of that chemistry back together. And to answer everyone's questions, since I get the question every day about it, Yanmark says he feels good, but we don't know for sure. Just leave it at that for right now, because <laughs> he literally is still day to day as long as we know. Um, but he and he and Spezza look good on a line today. I think with Richie they could be good. Um, and then the other group, uh, the other lines were uh, Roussel, Fox, and Pitlick. Could be difficult group to play against. And then Mackenzie, Shore, and Cracknell, which is a good fourth line. And then I don't know when I, when I look at that group, I think Hansel Hansel probably slots in as either uh, Hansel Hansel slots in on that on that second line. And I actually did we actually did learn today, and I haven't written this yet, but um, Foxa told me today he actually played left wing at times as a kid and growing up. Oh, um, interesting. And there and there was times he played. He actually played it up until he was, uh, like I think last time he played it was sixteen or seventeen. So there actually is even so Fox. Yeah, it's not at the NHL or the AHL level, but so Foxa is not completely the. Han, we have Hansel who has said I only play center, where we have Foxa has said he's willing to play left wing. So that that works a little bit more now knowing we have that pl- that intel from the particular player because I know we had we had some eyebrows raised when that combination was first uh, drawn up that's good to know i still would rather braddock fox to play center because he's probably the second best face-off guy in this team but we've talked about that until we're blue in the face in the past so we've opened enough cans of worms already the last hour or so so that one doesn't need to be reopened mm-hmm. yeah we've uh we've gone off the uh we've gone off the beaten path quite a bit today um but it was it was kind of interesting to see um i think it's 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 a good group. I think if you, you bring Hansel in, maybe say we play Hansel and Fox together, maybe that means Roussel playing with Shore and Cracknell, which becomes an incredibly difficult fourth line to play against. Um, now, I don't know if you want Roussel as a fourth line guy, but it, it, it's, it's, um, it's a nice, it's a nice looking, it's a nice looking setup. So far. certainly, I mean, certainly some options. Mm-hmm. Um, what, uh, from as we've talked about a lot of storylines, we've gone along a lot of a lot of wormholes. But we have the first we have the first preseason game on Tuesday. Play St. Louis at home. If you're looking at now this week, and Stars have six preseason games. Hitch has said he wants to get it down to thirty guys by by the fourth preseason game. I give you that information. You look at the preseason games. What are the things that you look for most over the next? four preseason games, Ryan. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna ask you to give me just bullet points of what to look for now that we actually gonna by the time some people are listening to this, they're gonna maybe listen to this on their way to the rink on Tuesday, for example, when there actually will be a preseason game. What should what what do you think people should look for? Just what are the, the key points right now for the actual preseason games themselves? Well, first and foremost I would say just look at how the stars play as a cohesive unit. Obviously with a new coaching staff there's gonna be a new system in place. So this team may or may not look like the stars have looked the last four years. So it could, even though you're going to have some carry, I mean, there is obviously quite a bit of carryover from last year's. Well, not a lot. There's, there's a lot of new blood on this team, but there's also kind of a new heart as well. If that to use some kind of anatomical analogies, because it's not, it's not going to be the same run and gun as we've seen under Lindy Ruff the last four or five years or however long it's been which it seemed like forever. But I, th- I think that's the, the, the most important. And, and I get you're not going to get a total picture of it based on preseason games where you're not going to have the full opening night lineup in there. But it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they look as a team. And I think you can we'll be able to kind of gauge what kind of style this team is going to play this year based on that. Uh, the other thing that I'm going to want to look at is just individual players because there is a lot of there's going to be a lot of jockeying for roster spots not just with guys trying to make the team not just like the guys that we talked about earlier who's trying to fill out the bottom of the forward rotation on this team or the defense rotation but there's going to be guys who are going to be jockeying for position within the lineup too so it will be It'll be intriguing to see how some of these guys play. I think 
I just off the top of my head, it'll be interesting to see if Justin Dowling can carry his scrimmage performance over into actual game action, for example. So it, it, just stuff like that. I, I think there'll be, I, and I think what you'll want to look at just kind of depends on the person and what kind of what interests you more, if that makes sense. Because there's certainly going to be no shortage of things to look at. Like, I mean, how they're playing in the defensive zone, how that's going to be different in the past. I'm sure we're going to see Ben Bishop in some games, how he looks out there. So it'll be, I'm interested to see some of the, some of the higher end AHL guys. I want to see, I mean, Honka isn't really a high end AHL guy anymore, but you know what I mean? Seeing guys like him, Gurionov, Nick Kamano, Robertson, just guys like that out there. It'll be interesting to see how they look. Yeah, I would like to see Robert. I think uh, Robertson and Kamano, those like the likes of those guys, they'll probably only be here for a game or two because they. Li- I know that the Stars are typically a team that likes to send their guys back before th- and the OHL season starts next Saturday, I think. So they'd like to send their guys. So they'll might be around for only for a game or two. So I'd like to watch them when they're in, in play here. Obviously, the defenseman situation is going to be really interesting to watch. See how these guys play. Um, and then the other thing that's just going to be interesting to see how it works out, just, just with this new coaching staff, what power play systems do they like? Which penalty, which PK systems do they like? I think we're going to see a lot of testing for that because, and while it's not going to be the top end guys all the time, I think you're going to see a lot of experimenting just in games of, do they go umbrella one game, overload the other, just things like that. Just It's going to be interesting to kind of see what, Stu Barnes experiments with the power play and on the on the flip side what uh, what guys Rick Wilson gives a chance on the penalty kill guys that may be because that could be a way to earn more ice time and that's a way the PK is a way that more guys could prove you know like for example I look at Adam Cracknell as a guy who um we like a lot what he did on five on five last year but I think if he be if you give him a consistent penalty kill shift he becomes even more valuable just things like that sorry we're having an argument about beans <laughs> We are not, not not me and you, but no. So, but no, that's that's exactly. I completely agree with that too, because obviously the stars were not good on special teams last year. So, it will be not, and, and you know, because you're not going to see. I doubt until I don't even unless they do. I don't know. I haven't paid enough attention to the preseason in my lifetime to know if teams ever do like use the last game or two as a dress rehearsal where they have the opening night lineup out there. But I doubt you'll ever see a game where more than half the lineup is what you would expect your opening night roster to look like. So you're not necessarily going to get the same players that are out there on the power play, but it will be interesting to see what kind of system they turn to in that regards to try to improve off of last year or how many different systems they try to see if they're just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks or if they kind of have a, an idea of the way that they want to go if they have a couple different things that they say, hey, we'll try this and we'll see how this works and then we'll kind of go in with with the multiple-pronged attack so other teams don't necessarily know what to expect from us in the future. Well, and the last, and the, and the last thing, storyline, just to touch on for preseason stuff is we've got a goalie battle playing out, not for starting goalie. We know Ben Bishop is going to be the start in the NHL, but Phil DeRosier and Landon Bow, one of them's got to win a job in the AHL. So that's going to be interesting to watch too to see with how many starts they either of them, how many, how many minutes either of them get in the NHL preseason games, and who wins that job to be uh, to be uh, next to Mike McKenna. Speaking of which, Mike McKenna will actually be a guest on the podcast later this week, um, and we will talk about uh, quite a few things. And uh, I don't know if did you see the picture of Mike McKenna's old uh, pa- uh, pads on Twitter? Yeah, I did. They look cool as hell. Yeah, it's the uh, for I'm not. As a bit of a goalie nerd, I really like the the throwback to the old looking Bowers. It's the he has the new Bowers and it's the flat like setup like they are right now, but it's screen printed to look like the old ones that with the with the break and everything like that. So, um, yeah, programming note: Mike McKenna will be a guest on the podcast later this week. Uh, I worked to set that up this week. Um, to uh, close this week out, let's just uh, make sure I answered. Uh, put out a call for Twitter questions as, yeah. we, as as we do every week, and let me just I got them pulled up. Let's see. Um, Zach Johnson, did anyone do enough in the prospect scrimmage to potentially move their way up the organizational ladder, parentheses, AHL or NHL players? We did kind of touch on that one at the start with Dowling. We did, but just to, just to go a little bit deeper on the roster, um, guy who we talked about out of Traverse City a little bit, uh, Sheldon Dries, 
who is a Western Michigan grad. Did, did you remember watching him play at all at Western? I remember the name. I don't... I feel like the last... Since he had been there, um, he went all four years, if I remember correctly. I'm trying to do math in my head right now. Mm-hmm. So he would have started 13, 14, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right? Maybe 12, 13, maybe 12, 13 or maybe, but either way yeah. yeah so so either way then that would that would have been after west the whole realignment shuffled so they would have he would have never played played ccha then so i i don't remember if western came to bg at all though i think they did i don't remember if i was at that game though but the, i mean the name ring yeah. I, I knew the name from before i just don't remember if i'd seen him play at all but he but he's been i've liked his work i'm not saying he's a guy who's anyone should go out and and, and and then buy your Dallas Stars Sheldon Dries jersey, but I'm just—he's a guy who is um, made a nice made a nice name for himself. He's impressed the AHL coaching staff. He—he's a type of guy who could be—he's—he's he's laid the groundwork where you could you. I wouldn't be shocked if a year from now we're seeing him sign maybe an NHL entry level, just just to to gauge expectations. Um, and then also another guy just to. I like how I liked um, in the scrimmage today uh, is Dylan Hetherington. And we talked about Hetherington before. We talked about him when he was traded for Lori Korpakoski, and we talked about that trade then. But um, I think uh, I liked his work in the scrimmage today. And he's not going to be an NHL player this year. We talked about the, the glut of defensemen already. Just there's nine guys who, and, and there's nine guys, and there's Honka and everything like that. But Hetherington could be a nice uh Nice seventh or maybe first call up guy uh, a year from now, depending on how things shake out and how they actually end up breaking things out. I thought he looked good today. Yeah, uh, Sheldon Dries had 16 goals this past year, so he was kind of a guy. He uh, he had a good sophomore year, not as much of a strong junior year, but he kind of came on a little bit this year. So good, good to see a little bit of carry over there. And I agree with that. I think he's a guy that I believe he already has his AHL contract signed, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, it'll be – he's a guy that I think I'll definitely keep an eye on this year just to see how he progresses. Um, not a question from Twitter, a question from me. What have you thought of Shane Hanna so far? Uh, he's been reliable. Shane Hanna's been a reliable, simple defender. Not not bad. He had a, he moves the puck decently enough. Um, not – it's going to be – numbers-wise, it's going to be hard for him to be in the AHL, but he's a type of guy who I think if he's in the ECHL, he's – top line pairing in the ECHL and I like the decisions he makes with the puck he's not overly skilled but uh he's a good depth signing for for an AHL organization that's kind of how I get a read on him yeah he was always kind of a guy that was pretty hyped up within the WCHA and I get the WCHA is not a good league that if you're ranking college hockey leagues it's like the American Athletic Conference of College Hockey, and that might even be a little generous there. But he was always a guy who, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I think he was an all-league guy three or four years, and he had a really good year this last year, but I would agree with that. He was, every time Tech played at BG, I feel like I only saw him play. How many times has Tech, I feel like Tech, there was a year that Tech didn't come to BG, so I probably only saw him for two series, but he was never a guy that, I mean, he was always a guy that you kind of tried to look out for because of the hype that was around him. And, and and when I say hype, I don't mean like everyone's saying that, yeah, he's he's all that and a bag of beans or anything like that. But he was always a guy that people within the league thought of highly. Um, but I just, he was never really a guy that kind of jumped out to me, at least. And it, that's his relatively untrained eyes here. But um, yeah, uh, next question. Austin Cobb, after the small sample, I'd like to hear your updated prospect rankings. Um, well, I don't want to give all those away because I'll have I actually have the I actually have my up I have my September uh, prospect guide preseason guide coming out uh, coming out tomorrow actually. But um, just to kind of give a quick I don't know to give a quick teaser give us a, yeah, taste. a teaser into that. Um, Number one, even even with him not being in training camp, and we'll get a formal update that he won't be here, and I'm assuming that's going to be the formal update on uh, on is, number one is still Miro Miro Heishkin, and that's no surprise. Um, we've talked about that before. Um, okay, let's um 
so we don't get into your yeah. full so you're not giving everything away let's um let's phrase this as has there anyone that has who's at camp because i know there's a the cut like the college guys aren't at mm-hmm. camp has there anyone who's been here who has impressed you to the point of them trending upward or has anyone kind of unimpressed you to the point of them trending downward in your rankings um i will say this um rope hints may have jumped dennis garyanov in my mind interesting um it's not it's it's something where i have i still have to put the final finishing touches on this but and it's one of those where i keep going back and forth because i had hints at three before and i had gary on at two and so we're talking at two versus three obviously so that's a that's we're talking about two of the guys near the top and both of them are still near the top but with just kind of the consistency hints provides and, and the talent he's bringing in and everything like that and some of the other things where i see some cons- questions with gary consistency I keep getting closer and closer to putting hints over Guryanov, so that's that that's that's one there, um, and uh, the other one is maybe uh, Kamano's jumping into the top ten. I can't. I still have to figure out who's dropping out, but Kamano's jumping into my top ten. He was an honorable mention before, and he's jumping into the top ten. I'd buy both of those. That makes. I, I figured you'd say something. You'd mention something about Kamano because I saw a lot of love for him today, and I saw a lot of ro- love for Rope mm-hmm. too. I feel like I feel. I almost feel kind of vindicated now because we were kind of talking about him before the draft mm-hmm. as sort of that forgotten guy in the system, just because he'd been in Finland. He wasn't a first. I mean, he was still a high second round pick, so we're not exactly talking about a guy who came out of nowhere. But he was kind of a forgotten guy mm-hmm. in the system, and he's looked really good so far. It sounds like so. That's good. Uh, we have one more question, and we kind of touched on it earlier from Patrick Kinney. Chances on Umberger? If so, who'd slide out to make room? Um, it's. I don't think anyone slides out. Actually, it's. We touched on that before. I think if Umberger's on the team, that means they're carrying fourteen. Which I just. I don't think that means anyone slides out. It just means that one of the other younger guys did not win that job at fourteen. So. No one technically sliding out, but maybe someone who others would like to see in that spot, a Dickinson, a Dowling. And not that there's people crawling. We're, we, we basically are driving the Justin Dowling bandwagon, I guess, in this podcast right now. But the the fan group of the looking for a Dickinson or a Garyanov or an Ellie to make the roster with Umberger makes the team, there's really not much of a chance for them to play in the NHL this season. So that's kind of the slide out. There's not a slide out of the guys who play and you're expecting to be on the roster there's a slide out of opportunity later down the line if umberger is in this group right i feel like he was kind of a guy who was brought in so one of those young guys wasn't going to be the 13th or 14th guy so then there would be an opportunity for them to be down in the ahl playing every night so eh, no loss if it's if it happens if it doesn't no loss it's just kind of one of those you take a shot in the dark and that's that Mm mm-hmm well, I think that does it for us for this week. I mean, next week we're gonna we'll have more answers next week, and that's making this podcast more fun right now. Each time we sit down, we actually have more answers each week, which is something where in the summer it was a lot more speculation, and now we actually have answers every week, and we'll have even more next week because we'll have some more preseason games, and we'll get to see who gets cut, things like that. So, um, we'll probably have a bunch of new questions too. So that'll be exactly. fun. Exactly. So. Uh, everyone, thanks for listening. Next week we'll have not only uh, we still got to figure out whether we're going to do a large podcast and combine it to two, or maybe we'll split it and do one separate with Mike McKenna, and then we'll do our regular scheduled podcast. We'll, we're still figuring that out, but um, either way, we'll have something for you within the coming week. And um, everyone, thanks for listening, and looking forward to uh, actually watching some preseason hockey on Tuesday night.